Welcome back to part two of Ted Motherfucking Bundy, ladies and gentlemen. I am Maddie Hamela, your host, and this is It's Murder Time. This segment is going to be about Ted Motherfucking Bundy, his arrest, and his first arrest, and all the way up to his death. And a little bit after, because there's some juicy bits. Um, so stay tuned, stick around, and let's talk some murder. Because you know what? It's murder time. Alright, let's dive into this arrest trial. Crazy wild of a ride, alright? So... On August, so where I last left you off was June 28th, he had killed Suzanne Curtis. Um, This is now August 16th, 1975. He got caught driving a, for a driving violation, dumbass, was um, driving and was getting pulled over, uh, turned his lights off and sped away, which like, what, what, where, where the fuck you gonna go, dude? Where the fuck you gonna go? Uh, like, what? And he ran a few stop signs, obviously was pulled over and arrested. Um, car was searched and they found what they like to call, what is likes to be called the murder kit. In this murder kit, there were handcuffs, an ice pick, which when I was reading this, that gave me chills. Ooh. <laughs> uh, handcuffs, an ice pick, a crowbar, pantyhose with eye holes cut out, gloves, a flashlight, and plenty of other shit. I will post the photo on Instagram, so keep an eye out for that. For that, sorry. Um his the front seat of uh, the front passenger seat of his car was missing um which odd uh he so he was obviously arrested on suspicion of burglary as well as evading arrest uh so fun little fact a uh, little tidbit here uh Zach, like his murder kit was actually bought by Zach Baggins who is actually a one of the lead guys in Ghost Adventures, a paranormal activity, a paranormal show, which is super great show. You should totally go watch it. Absolutely hilarious. Um, but then we're going to fast forward a little bit to Fe- February 1976. Uh, this is when he's finally going to trial for Carol DeRanche. Um Obviously, when they arrested him previously, they were like, oh, man, he's he's our guy well he waved his so remember bundy is pre-law he thinks he's smarter than everyone he thinks he's got it all figured out so he is pre-law and decided to waive his right to a jury trial and surprise surprise judge came back and was like bitch you guilty here's 15 years which like holla uh so at the time, after this conviction, um, police were also trying to connect him to the Colorado murderers, murderers, murders. Um, and at that point, they had extra because he's already been sentenced and everything. They extradited him from Utah to Colorado. So he again 
does the whole his own lawyer thing as he's being put on trial for these Colorado murders. And of course, because it's he's his own lawyer, he convinces, and also he's charming as fuck, uh, he convinces them to not let not have him have leg irons, and he was allowed to use the law library inside of the courthouse. So, a quote he says, uh, as acting as his own lawyer, Bundy says, more than ever, I am convinced of my own innocence. Which just like, the fuck, dude? The fuck? What's wrong with you, man? So much shit. So much shit. Um, on and then in June 1977. So we're kind of skipping a little bit because a lot of this is uh, government red tape crap. Um, in June 1977, during a pre-trial hearing, he jumped out of the window while he was in the law library inside of the courthouse, and ran off into the wilderness. So he was eventually recaptured, obviously. Uh, about five, six days later, um, he had stolen a car and uh, uh, and don't worry, I will I will post photos on Instagram because he looks wrecked he looks wrecked and so they they arrested him in this stolen car but do you want to know why police officers pulled him over in the first place i know you do because you're here listening to this uh he was weaving in and out of traffic (laughs) which just like blows my fucking mind like dude you are on the run you are wanted for murder. You are like, you have escaped. You've literally jumped out of a two-story window to escape, and you're fucking just weaving in and out of traffic. What's wrong with you, dumbass? Uh, again, that's that his classy, cocky bullshit attitude. So then, on December thirtieth, nineteen seventy-seven, he of course was captured back from that previous one. On December thirtieth, nineteen seventy-seven, he escaped. Again! Yes, that's right. I said it. A second time he escaped. He escaped through a teeny tiny grate in his cell that wasn't properly secured. Now, I'll post a a photo of this on the Instagram as well. Photo of his cell. And I'll post one, and then I'll post a photo where I zoom in on the little grate that he uh, escaped from. So, he, from the time June... He, uh, from the time he was recaptured to the time he escaped, he tried losing weight. He lost 20 to 30 pounds just so he could fit into that grate, which tells you a whole lot. <laughs> a whole lot. So he gets into this grate, goes through the ducts, goes into the ceiling, goes, is now in the ceiling of the first floor, finds one of the people who leaves at that time of day, Climbed down, sorry about that, uh, climbed down into the into the room, put on normal clothes that the guy had in there, and walked out, playing his day. Chill. He, oops, uh, he took a plane to Chicago, and then a train to Ann Arbor, Michigan, and then he drove to Atlanta, and then he took a bus to Tallahassee, Florida, where we begin the next portion of the story. Now, 
This is going to be wild. I'm going to go ahead and give you a trigger warning for this because this shit's about to get really awful. Really, really awful. So he broke into the Chi Omega sorority house on January 15th at around 3.15 a.m. 1978. He broke in carrying some of the witness. uh, Some people describe it as a wooden club. Other people say it's a literal piece of firewood. The witness, one of the witnesses uh, who survived, obviously, uh, said that it was a literal piece of fire, piece of firewood. So that's what I'm going to go with. So there were four, or sorry, five total victims. Um, two of which survived. Three of two of which survived. Sorry, two of two of which survived. The other three perished. There was Margaret Bowman, who was 21 years old. She was beaten with the piece of firewood and strangled. There was Lisa Levy, who was 20 years old. She was also beaten and strangled. There was Kathy Kleiner, 20 years old. He beat her so fucking bad that her jaw was left hanging off. Her fucking jaw was left hanging off. Then, in the same room as Kathy Kleiner is Karen Chandler. And Karen Chandler was 22. She also had a broken jaw, a right, a, a broken right arm. She had four teeth knocked out. And get ready for the kicker. She survived. Oh yeah. She survived all of this. And I gotta be honest, it's it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Cause uh, holy shit. Um He also attacked Cheryl Thomas, who was 21 years old. Um, now, this was no longer at the Chi Omega house. And I'm sorry, I should have clarified before. There were four victims, only one of which survived in the Chi Omega house. That same night, only a few hours later, he then broke into Cheryl Thomas's house, who was 21 years old. Um, snuck in after that whole thing beat her to death and she also survived. Now, a couple I'm going to tell you a couple of things that are going to be horrible to hear now, but obviously help catch him later. So, on Lisa Levy, he had bitten her on I believe I've I've read differing accounts. I've read that he bit her on the ass. I've read her he I've read that he bit her nipple. Um, either way, really disgusting and fucked up and gross and really just gives me the goddamn chills. Um, but so after Cheryl Thomas, uh, he goes on a little bit of a break and then, cause that was January 15th, 1978. So then of course we have another month. And now it is February 9th, 1978. Now I am going to tell you right now, major trigger warning for this. This is a 12 year old girl and shit's not good for her. So she was obviously one of his youngest victims. She was in seventh grade. She disappeared in the middle of the school day and her body was found two months later behind a shed in the, in the Suwansi, 
Sewanee, Sewanee Park. Sorry, I can't read my own handwriting. Uh, Sewanee River State Park. And he, when they found him, his truck was so, the car he was using at the time was the stolen vehicle. I believe it was a van, was so covered in blood that it was just, he clearly just fucking lost it. Just clearly lost it. So then, about, like literally less than like a week later, not even a full week later, in Pensacola, Florida, he led police on a high-speed chase with tw- he had uh, obviously the stolen his stolen vehicle and twenty-one stolen credit cards. Which, like, how do you steal that many credit cards? I'm sure it's possible. I have no doubt it was a significant amount of time but damn 21 stolen credit cards that's a lot um all right so now we are gonna dive into the trial uh this the trial started on june 5th 1979 so there are two major trials that i'm really going to talk about uh the first one was the trial of the sorority girls and then the second one was for kimberly leach um so Bundy, please remember, he's pre-law. He really thinks he's a smart boy. He really thinks he's got it all going on upstairs, which we know he doesn't because who the fuck has all the shit going on upstairs and does all this shit? Like, uh, um, so he, for the case against, uh, him from the sorority girls, however, that's supposed to be phrased, uh, he denied a plea bargain where he'd plea guilty and receive only three 25-year sentences. So this trial was televised, and this is the one trial that you're going to see plenty of photos. This is the one where he's smiling and joking and laughing around and hanging out and just looks like a guy's guy or a dude's dude. Um well, because that's because Bundy was playing it up the whole time. He was playing up this charming, what was me, you have the wrong guy act, which was just idiotic. Um, so he's acting as his attorney this whole time, right? So surprise, surprise, Ted Bundy's a fucking idiot. And he gets found guilty for their murder and gets death by electric chair <laughs> for both of them. So, chef's kiss. Mwah, chef's kiss, for real. So, the second trial, this is for Kimberly Leach's murder. Now, Bundy does let his lawyers do their fucking job, but there's not really a whole lot they can do, because it was really fucking obvious he did it. And And then during this trial, he was angry and glaring and he's all slouched and he's all like really giving off the killer vibes that he that were just absent in the first trial well surprise surprise jury came back guilty death by electric chair what what shout out to florida for this shit uh thank you for killing ted bundy really solid job right there my dudes uh so now I'm going to kind of talk about Carol Boone. Um, 
if you've heard at all about Ted Bundy, you've heard about Carol Boone. She is the woman who was dating him during the time that these trials were all coming out. And who was proposed to and married on the stand. Yeah, as she was, he called her up as a witness and married her on the stand. It's some loophole thing in Florida that says, like, if you have a witness, you can marry them. I don't know. It it was probably legal at the time, I'm guessing. And again, remember, Ted really thinks he's this genius pre-law, like, lawyer guy. So, of course, he is. he loves that he got to use this little-known Florida law to marry Carolyn Boone. Well... Of course, during this whole time, she is staunchly saying he did not do this. He did not do this. There's no fucking way he did it. He's innocent. He's innocent. He, she even goes so far as to believe he's innocent that she actually has his child. Uh, they paid off one of the guards to have secret conjugal visits. Um, and <laughs> the, she ended up having his child... And eventually broke it off when it was very, very clear that he was super triple guilty. Which I don't know how you could look at any of the evidence and be like, nah, he didn't, he's innocent. He didn't do it. Like, he literally, it's just, oh, absolutely wild. Um, so... That's the ending of the trial. He is, has three death sentences for electrocution by chair, chair electrocution, whatever the fuck that's supposed to be. Um, he obviously tried to fight that the entire time. He did not want to die. Uh, his last day of execution was on June 17th, 1989. And in between that time and when he was ex executed January 24th. Oh. Uh Ooh. Give me a second here, guys. Oh no, wait, we're good, we're good, we're good. Um so Sorry about that, guys. Uh brain didn't put things together. So, when I said that his last day of execution was on June 17th, 1989, what I actually meant was Maddie can't read her handwriting, and it was January 17th, 1989. Got confused, because he died January 24th, 1989. So I was like, how did he get a stay of execution in June, but die in January? Well, solved. Um, so... Obviously, this is that time frame between January 17th and January 24th is when we get most of our information about uh, Ted confessing and all of that shit. Um, so I'm going to now read to you the description of his death. So he, according to witnesses, going up to the stand, he... The night before, he had spent the night crying and praying, and when he was finally led into the chamber, his face was sad and sullen and gray, and oh, he just really didn't seem like himself. The poor guy. Oh, Well, 
<laughs> as his eyes, as he looked across the room, he saw a couple, a couple of people he noticed, he knew, obviously. Uh, he, his last words were, Jim and Fred, I'd like to give you, I'd like you to give my love to my family and friends. Now, Jim pro- refers to Jim Coleman, who was one of his lawyers, and Fred Lawrence, who was the Methodist minister who prayed with Bundy. Uh, poor guy. So he bowed his head and died. He was electrocuted. 2,000 volts went through his body. All of his muscle tightened up. And actually, reports said that smoke came from his right leg, which is fascinating to me. Um, I wonder why it was only his right leg and not everybody everywhere else. Or did they only notice that it was the right, the right leg? Um, so the machine was turned off, obviously, and Bundy was checked by a doctor one last time. And on January 24th, 1989, at 7.16 a.m., Ted Bundy, piece of shit, extraordinaire, died as crowds outside chanted, Burn! Bundy, burn! Burn, Bundy, burn! Burn, Bundy, burn! Which, like, oh, chef's kiss. Mwah! Mwah! Beautiful. Um, and that is the absolutely nutball wild ride of Ted Bundy's extravaganza bullshit piece of shit killing thing. Yeah. Wow. Uh, not really a whole lot to say. I mean, he's just awful. He's an awful human being. He really is the depths of depravity that humanity can sink to. It just really like shows that extremely well. Um, now, before we go, I'm going to leave you with one last little clarification. Yes, all of these women were likely killed by Ted Bundy. It's totally possible they were not. It's totally possible that they just went missing. They just disappeared. It is possible. But we have to keep into account Ted Bundy confessed to 36 murders. And many of the people who interviewed him in those last final days um, said it was likely that he had killed upwards of a hundred. So we will never know exactly how many people Ted Bundy killed. Uh, we will never know the answers to some of those women who went missing during that time frame, but are not Ted Bundy's victims. We just won't know. So that's that. Uh, thanks for listening. If you'd like to check us out on Instagram, the handle is it's murder time podcast spelled I T S M U R D E R T I M E P O D C A S T. If you have any suggestions or you want to hear any specific cases, feel free to shoot us an email at it's murder time at gmail.com. Um, I hope you guys have a really wonderful rest of your day. Uh, I really hope Ted Bundy didn't fuck it all over. And um, as it's Friday, have a great weekend. Stay safe. Wear your mask.